Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. If you can hear us grinning, it's because we've got local picker, plucker, <laughs> and uh, just about everything else, or Lucas Ross, here to talk about Banjo Fest and the Bricktown Banjo Bash. But first, our question of the week, we asked you, what instrument did you always wish you'd learned how to play? First up is Editor-in-Chief Nathan Gunner. Well, I'm I'm in a 20-plus year fight with the guitar. Uh, I've owned one for more than two decades. I've practiced it regularly, and I still cannot switch a chord in fewer than five seconds. Um, and that's on a good day. So I'm going to say not the guitar because we're in a fight, so the banjo. Is that, is that yeah. why your nickname is Slowhand? That's one of the reasons. Okay. <laughs> Managing editor Carly Ibarra. Um, I would definitely say the harp. I just think the harp is oh. a beautiful instrument, and it'd be super cool to be able to play it. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Photo writer Megan Rossman. Uh, I have a guitar. I don't know how to play it. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> um, I would like, I've always thought the oboe was very beautiful. If you don't know how to play it, it sounds awful. Um, and I like the xylophone. I feel like that might be a little oh, bit easier to play. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> xylophone seems like it'd be fun. Research editor Ben Lucian. So the... Uh, I do have experience playing the cello for a while. Um, I cool. w- was a terrible student at it, uh, refused to practice ever. But there's a long list of instruments that I would love to theoretically learn how to play if you could skip all the thousand hours it takes to master something. That's kind of the yeah. problem. Um, the, the, the list includes uh, the drums. I would love to play the drums. would love to be a drummer. Don't have the really natural rhythm for it. Um, I would also love uh, to play the keyboard. Um, it seems like it would be really uh, relaxing to just kind of set up your keyboard and play away. Uh, also, I would love to be a DJ. I would love. Oh, that's a good one. To spin spin the boards, nice. if you will. <laughs> nice with the cans. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Greg? Well, I also would like to run a marathon without ever jogging. Um, <laughs> based on my in-car performances, I would. Uh, say probably the drums mm. uh, but I've also always dreamed of uh, busting through a wall with a saxophone playing uh, Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty nice. I just always feel like that would be pretty awesome nice uh, I, I, uh, so you're here your childhood hero is Timmy Capello that's exactly right okay um, I, I learned the piano a little bit when I was younger um, uh, for whatever reason the lady who was teaching me uh, wanted me to learn the theme from the Thornbirds which I guess was a pretty popular yeah, song yeah because it was the 80s. Yeah, yeah, and so I, but I, I was not allowed to watch the Thornbird, so I'm just sitting <laughs> well, here like no. playing the song, like this, this does nothing for me. It's not oh, like wow. I recognize this tune. Uh, okay, so we had a uh, quite a few uh, responses, a lot of piano responses. So mm-hmm. if you are a piano teacher, please feel free to hop yeah. on our Facebook page and uh, track some down some leads. To be had. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kirsten Copeland Golden said the violin, cello, acoustic guitar, piano, and indigenous flutes. That's quite a list. Gene wow. uh, Curtis said the Irish button accordion. Uh, we had, that would uh, be fun. I, I like this one. Julie Adair said violin and I'm doing it. So it sounds like she's hey, actually working on it. Go, Julie. Yeah. Uh, Mary Catherine Reynolds said the Yulian pipes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this was actually, re- uh, uh, a lot of people said this, I sure wish I knew how to play the piano better. <laughs> that's, Lots of yeah, folks that's out fair. there who, yeah. who can, who can uh, doodle but uh, can't really rock it. Yeah. Uh, Barbara Dalton wanted the acoustic guitar. Uh, D. Morris, guitar, electric or acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
uh, Carly Hoops Diamond apparently wants to join with me on the saxophone. Nice. Uh, just busting through walls, uh, Kool-Aid man <laughs> style. Uh, A.E. Dustin said uh, the hammered dulcimer. And uh, I, I actually tried to learn to play that my freshman year of college. It is exceedingly difficult. Yeah? Yeah, it's really hard. It's a beautiful instrument, though. I don't know. There's no... Nobody said theremin on here? Not a single person wants I to shove their hands joke, into the no. air and make music? No, or a zither. <laughs> a z- <laughs> Triangle. Uh, and Gary Moore, maybe my favorite answer, uh, is uh, the flugelhorn because because uh, who doesn't want who indeed to uh, to play um, oh what's that song uh, from uh, King of the Hill oh uh, thriller oh, wait. no that was Deliverance <laughs> <laughs> sorry the uh, the guy uh, who uh, he was the anyway for Megalomart I can't remember oh uh, if you uh, hadn't asked me I could have yeah. told you. It's going to come to me Chuck. in like the middle of something. Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione. Oh, my so God. We're not Texans. Don't come the- for us online. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Sandra Delso Smith uh, said the banjo, which I really love good because uh, it's a good lead in for us to talk to <laughs> Lucas Ross about Banjo Fest and the Bricktown Banjo Bash. And now we are extremely pleased to welcome in the multi-hyphenate, a man who does too many things, frankly, uh, Mr. Lucas Ross. Uh, who's going to talk to us a little bit about Banjo Fest and uh, the Bricktown Banjo Bash. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is so cool. Uh, Well, thank you very much. uh, We're big fans of yours as well. Uh, Frankly, it's hard to be in Oklahoma City and not see Lucas Ross somewhere. Uh, I apologize. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. It's it's about time somebody somebody (laughs) apologized for being too ubiquitous. I know it's I uh, I've just worn down the public enough that they're just kind of accepted me. I don't know if they like me or not, but they're just like, okay. He's here. Uh, well, uh, so tell me a little bit. You, um, how, how did you get involved with uh, with Banjo Fest? You're you're a you're a banjoer yourself, banjoer. Yeah, ba- yeah, banjoer. Ear. I don't know what the exact term is, but um, I crossed paths multiple times with the Banjo Museum when I was full time doing. Uh, on air and promotion stuff for uh, News 4 and I just fell in love with the place and the, the, I did like a Steve Martin was coming to town I'm a big Steve Martin fan Yeah. and uh, he was coming to Oklahoma I think and I was trying to do a thing about like why isn't he in the Hall of Fame because at the time it was a four string Hall of Fame they were going through this transitional period when the, the museum started as only a jazz four string tenor uh, and um, plectrum Hall of Fame and so uh when it became apparent that this is the only banjo museum anywhere, yeah. we've got to tell the whole story. And so it evolved into highlighting tenor players, five string players, promoters, and uh, instructors. And so, but at the time it wasn't. And so my whole shtick to do a, a story on the banjo museum was I was trying to sneak Steve Martin into the Hall of Fame. I had this picture of him. I was like trying to hang up and Johnny Byer, the executive director here, and one of the greatest uh, tenor players uh, alive and, and ever. He's just incredible. We're very fortunate to have him in our state. Um, was uh, I was constantly being foiled by him. And so at the end, I tried to bribe him with five dollars. <laughs> and then, you know, years later, Steve Martin is inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so I tried to take credit for that. <laughs> That Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Steve Martin can thank me, but that's kind of how I got And Over time, I started doing some shows here and I started doing, uh, I just started spending as much time as I could down here. And they asked if I would teach a 
an intro level banjo class, um, which is about the level that I can, once you learn anything, then you're past me. But it's for people, <laughs> and you're totally invited, and so are your viewers, uh, listeners, or if they like to watch the podcast and not listen, that's their own podcast. <laughs> I don't know what you say, but um, we do a Picatune class here. I've been doing that for several years now, and once a month, I will take five or so um, people that will sign up, we provide the banjo for you. And the only rule is that you have to have never played a banjo before. Because if you have, you'd have more experience than me. And you yeah. have to, you'd, uh, you go to, you could teach the class. <laughs> we have, uh, but it's been really cool because all ages have come in. I've seen uh, really little kids, uh, young couples on a first date will come to the banjo museum for, uh, for a class, it's just it's really laid back and fun, and I'm mostly putting that instrument in your hand, and we kind of play a little song together, and you get a feel for it to see if one you want to learn the banjo, and if you're interested in it. A lot of people that because it's it's a little bit of an investment. It's it's more expensive than a guitar or something like that uh, to get one that you can play, but um, but some people just kind of want to the experience of something, and so it's really neat to see the different levels uh, of interest, and then just who comes. I've had people all the way up to their mid to late eighties, maybe that, that have done the class and it's been over the years. I don't mean how many hundreds of people have come through and several have gone on to, to get a banjo. I've got a lot of phone calls from music shops around here saying, are you sending people to us? Cause we have all these people buying banjos. What's going on? Is there some kind of movement? And it is, it's true. It's, there's a, there's totally a banjo agenda, but, uh, but, but over time, um, through a, a, a twist of fate, I got connected with the Jim Henson legacy through Heather Henson, his youngest daughter, and they had the banjo they used on the Muppet Show. They recorded all the audio on, and I'm a huge Muppet fan. You can see all my Kermits and stuff. Yeah. If the viewers that are listening can imagine, I have it's like a Pee Wee's Playhouse in this little office. But of, of he's, Kermit. he's dressed as Kermit the Frog for. I, for I changed just in. I changed just in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't see a lot more of it, the telephones and everything else. I'll, I'll make a list, but, uh, but I, I, I love the Muppets. And, um, when I connected with her, I was like, I'm doing this meeting at the banjo museum. And she's like, I've got a banjo for you. If you, nobody knows what to do with it. We found it. Uh, it's the banjo. They recorded all the music that was played on banjo for the Muppet show. Yeah. And that, that show at the time was the biggest show in the world uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. Everybody was watching it and seeing what Star Wars was going to be on there. And the cool thing was, was the, the performer of it who played uh, got signatures from all the celebrities that came on that show. And we're talking, Julie Andrews was the first one to sign the head of it. And then Elton John and, uh, I mean, Debbie Harry to Leo Sayer, everybody signed the, the head of this thing. Like, There's like 70 to 80 signatures, maybe a lot of them we couldn't even make out over time. Yeah, That was special enough for, for the casual fan to, to see the band. Because this, the, the Muppet museums and the tours that they do now, uh, didn't really know what to do with the instrument because it wasn't really there. They didn't know how to place it, but it's perfect for us. So we had it for a little over a year and uh, we had a Kermit uh, on display with holding a little prop banjo they used on a show and the blueprints. And so that was really cool. And because of that, um, actually after the ribbon cutting for that exhibit, the uh, board pulled me in an office and they're like, do you want to work here? And I was like, yes. And so we just <laughs> did it. And uh, they, uh, kind of evolved into a position for me as a promoter. And um, I don't know what, we all do so many different things here. There's a lot of different 
hats for our small staff, but, uh, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. And I didn't really know when I got into the banjo, like I liked it because of Steve Martin and Kermit. I didn't really know the, the history of it and the connection to African culture that it comes from. Like so many things in our country, where the roots of the banjo for us on our land comes from uh, enslaved Africans in early America. And so that was just kind of a, that was a surprise to me. It is for a lot of people that will come to the museum and they'll see that and they'll be like, oh, wait, what? And um, having that conversation right now, which we've been telling the story since the museum has moved down to Bricktown from Guthrie, where it was originally just the four string museum. When it came down here, someone's vacuuming outside my office. Yeah, don't worry about that it. Coming through? No. Nah. I'm just doing some chores here while we do this. <laughs> okay, I'll try to pick up right where it was so you can edit it. Or heck, you can keep it in. I don't care. That's Donna. She, she's amazing at vacuuming and so much more. Um, when the museum moved to Bricktown, we uh, tell the whole story of the history of it. But it, just like so much of African history, there's not a lot of that recorded. There's been a lot of different things that were uh, uh, parts of American history that are told, uh, leaving out certain things and stuff. So as we gather that information, we're constantly learning and, and sharing what we do. So I don't claim to be an expert at all. Uh, but I get a front row seat to learn every day something new. And so a lot of times people will come in. We, we work, um, we've worked in the past with the uh, Underground Railroad Museums and um, the uh, African uh, American Jazz Museum. And some of the, the, the people that put on exhibits there, our directors work directly with them on presentation and information. And, and that's evolving. And we're hoping to have a revamped uh, history display coming up. But while we don't know the names of those first banjo players the black banjo players for those first several uh few hundred years we have there's a painting by henry ossawa tanner who was an african painter in the 1800s who was celebrated and that was a really neat thing at the time and he painted this still life capture of what could be we can just guess a grandpa and uh his grandson sitting on uh, a stool holding a banjo it's called the banjo lesson and it's been acclaimed for its use of color and and uh, light and still life capturing well we love it because it's the closest portal we have to those early banjo players yeah and, uh, it's our way of paying respect and tell there's more cited um historical information that's apparent that's our biggest tribute to those un unsung heroes and kind of the unknown soldier of the instrument so yeah. I, I try to uh, an instrument that i approached from a comedy standpoint i really approach with um as much respect as i can and coincidentally when i started playing the banjo years before i knew the connection with that and the museum itself here my wife started a nonprofit that works with an orphanage in ghana africa and so over the past over a decade we've traveled to Ghana multiple times and they always want me to bring instruments for the kids they they're like bring banjos because you work at the banjo museum I was like this is, I was like this is kind of weird you know like but but they the, the instrument didn't form the way that we know it uh, it did on our on, on American soil um, and so they want they want to know about that they want to talk about that and I said well I'll come and you can show me things and you can teach me and I'll show you what I can do and so I'll take banjo a banjo over there and leave it each time I go because they don't have access to a lot of things like that to the area that we go to so anyway I had no idea picking up that instrument would lead me to so many opportunities and an app a chance to talk about the things and it's difficult the conversations can be difficult and um, I didn't want to do that when I first started doing the the kids or the the <laughs> or the educational presentation i like i don't feel like i should be the one talking about it yeah. and so i always try to be very 
um, thoughtful with how I present it, but also not to skip over it. It's my responsibility um, in my position to shine the light on the right thing, not to be an authority or an expert on it, but but to be as smart as I can be about it and um, speak where I should and and then let others uh, shine the light on those who can speak there. So it's kind of exciting because the instrument, I'm rambling a lot. That's fine. I get really passionate about it, and I, I get can to tell. I get to work in a place that I had no idea um, uh, that I get to to have this access to so much history and so much just meeting a lot of people. And the banjo museum and the instrument itself is a living and breathing thing. So a lot of museums are kind of time capsules of here's from here to here, and that's what the museum was uh, initially. It was a jazz. And the Jazz Hall of Fame was really talking about um, a certain period of time when the banjo was at its peak. And that was a ragtime uh, style age of the four string. And it just exploded onto the scene after uh, there was minstrelsy that uh, that had um, a lot of uh, baggage, a lot of racial weight that was associated that with um, accepted interpretations of, I guess, false dis a distorted perspective of what would be a happy enslaved person. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Portrayed by a, a white person a lot of times and, and sometimes a, a black person too, but uh, there's a lot of pain that was with that instrument and there's a lot of possibly more racial baggage associated with this instrument than anything mm. and um, than any other than any other instrument. I'm just kind of saying that broadly I, uh, from what I have been told and what I've seen, but um, but that instrument's now being kind of reclaimed in a lot of ways by uh, a lot of black players who are uh, just doing incredible things with it. And going right back to the, the early style of playing the the sound and uh, taking back a lot of that. And so it's kind of neat. Uh, Rannon Giddens is one. Um, Dom Flemons is another. Uh, some of these uh, great, great performers that I hope to bring here. Uh, and that's kind of my my mission too is to continue to see where it grows. And so that's what the museum is now. We're finding out more things about its past. We're seeing what all it's being used for now, which the banjo for a lot of us has been associated with bluegrass and uh, country music for the past because it exploded so big on the scene in the 50s and 60s. And um, that was when television and stuff started to come in and when uh, the Grand Ole Opry started broadcasting and people were hearing this style of music it, the banjo got really like handcuffed to bluegrass and to country while there were still the tenor players that were using it and uh, ragtime jazz and tango music. I mean, there was Celtic players, different people using this instrument for everything. It's been used with classical uh, all the way through uh, folk and anything else you can think of. So uh, it's exciting to see those things. But a lot of times if people hear, oh, you work at the banjo museum, oh, well, I'll see people walk by and they'll see there's a museum, they'll kind of go, ha, dar, 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 dar. and that's kind of what the assumption is, the deliverance, which is... Yes, yeah, we, deliverance music. So I'd much rather have people associate Kermit with it, if that's... <laughs> the the net lady, yeah. Right, for, yeah, which they say still the banjo part is still the scariest part of that movie. That sounds like <laughs> but, but, you know, there was a lot to... Um, this museum presents itself in a very uh, classy way. Our director, Johnny Beyer, who's not only an incredible performer, he's an artist and a photographer and a writer. And he, the, he did it all. And he, and with the help of those on our board and uh, our employees have uh, built this from the ground up. And so I've come into it with um, a lot of responsibility to care for the presentation and the uh, preservation of this instrument. But with that preservation comes the truth of where it comes from. Yeah. And, um, it's it's a it's a big responsibility, but I'm excited about it. More people are are talking about it and wanting to do it. And we had some 
I say young people now because I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> I'm in and they're like, th- these girls are like, we really want to get a banjo. And so one girl's from uh, Florida and the other is from Puerto Rico. And she, so she's like, we want to get banjos. And I was like, this is really cool because, and, and they're seeing the story and they're seeing our exhibit of women of the banjo that's up right now that highlights so many great women uh, performers and teachers and builders of the instrument. And just like uh, so much in history, the w- women weren't allowed to perform in early days of, of, of that performance. And they, but they were all the teachers. They were all the ones that were creating and they're writing books and, and things to, to help, uh, to help teach. And so we, we had this exhibit up for, uh, it was a temporary exhibit that stayed up longer because it's, it's important, but people really love to see, uh, that story and, uh, the women that are doing so much with the instrument. So well, one thing, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the past of the banjo. Uh, it, it, it is not, However, it's not locked in the past. It's absolutely still a very vital instrument today, as you were talking about people coming in wanting to learn to play it. Uh, And part of that is going to be celebrated at Banjo Fest, as well as at the Bricktown Banjo uh, Bash. Uh, Tell us a little bit about those events. Yeah, this is great. So the Banjo Museum has been doing their Hall of Fame, and it kind of uh, grew into Banjo Fest is kind of the over... Uh, umbrella encompassing, I don't know if these are real words, uh, <laughs> a banjo celebration. And uh, all eyes are on the banjo and all eyes are on Oklahoma City for banjo lovers around the world. And it's pretty cool who all comes with this. And so what happens at Banjo Fest is there's uh, jams and parties. The museum is is open and lively. But then after hours, there's ticketed events where people stay and play and jam and uh, and, and party some. But then uh, on the Friday night, so this is September 22nd. And then September 23rd is our Hall of Fame. And they have that at the top of the Devon Tower at Vast's uh, reserved um top gala ballroom Mm -hmm. and we induct five members into the hall of fame and past inductees have been banjo uh heroes from bela fleck and tony trishka and uh historically uh celebrated promoters like walt disney and jim henson who didn't play the banjo but they were tied to so many things that disney parks for years the banjo was a big a part of that and a lot of the hall of famers are major celebrities who play or major and musicians who played at Disney parks and in Disney films and things like that. Um, and of, of course, Jim Henson, because of, of Kermit and stuff, because people associate themselves with that. But we've had uh, Steve Martin and Jens uh, Kruger and uh, uh, Allison Brown, um, some uh, incredible players. And they a lot of times will come here. Steve didn't get to come uh, that night. He, he's graced our our pres our, graced us with his presence briefly once in person and loved it and gave us a banjo. He was so impressed, but, um, but a lot of the banjo players will show up and it's really cool. John McEwen from the nitty gritty dirt band has come multiple times. He's been inducted, but then he comes and performs. So that is a real neat thing. The hall of fame. Uh, I've been working on that. So I can't get away from television. I, I help produce all the videos that play and I get to really dive into all the different styles the the four string players the five string players the the instructors the history and so this year we have um we're inducting um some some great ones a banjo player that that we just lost sonny osborne who um is legendary and if you've heard the song um rocky top which a lot of people have he and his brother they just they exploded on the the scene with that and it became such a huge it's like the state song of tennessee i believe um but it but it was um 
it was really sad to, to lose Sonny this year, but he has a kind of a, a younger uh, or a young, amazing banjo player who was kind of under his wing, uh, Lincoln Hensley, who's going to play on his behalf and be here uh, uh, playing. And so, so we'll have that going on that, that, that night we'll celebrate um, Alan Mundy, who played with Byron Berline, Oklahoman's Byron Berline. And he played with the, he's from Norman. So it's kind of special that Alan Mundy is an Oklahoman that's going to come back to town and uh, be inducted. And he's a neat guy. I got to go to a banjo camp and he was one of the instructors and he's just really a great teacher, uh, performer, just the whole thing. Um, and he's great. Uh, we're also inducting the Banjo Kings for historic, for historical purposes. They were huge and popular. They played in a lot of different things, provided music in a lot of movies and did, uh, a lot of stuff with the banjo. Um, we have, uh, Another performer, Randy Morris, who is a multi-instrumentalist. So he's played for years at Disney parks and in Florida, all over the place, uh, performed and recorded a lot. He even recorded on one of the last, uh, the last, I think, special that Jim Henson worked on. He got to provide the banjo for, Ker- for Kermit. We don't say that. We like to say Kermit played sure. his own. We just have people back him up. Um, but, but he played for that Muppets Go to Disney World special. That was one last piece Jim worked on before he passed. And uh, so Randy, I'm excited about the Kermit connection there, but he's an amazing piano uh, pianist and uh, trumpet player, just a lot of that. And Don Vappi, who is going to be uh, being inducted. And he is, it's another special induction too, for he's a a great four string player who um, does a lot with the Creole uh, style of, of jazz. And so there's a special connection there with that, uh, with the culture, with the music and with a lot of stuff that he does. So we're excited. Uh, people will get to hear them play at the hall of fame. And then Saturday is our free banjo bash. It's open to the public. And while there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on at the museum, we're also going to be across the street. So the banjo museum's on Sheridan. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where we are, if you know where the melting pot is, on yeah. Sheridan, we're right across the street and nothing says romance like a night of fondue and banjo music. So make your, book your appointments for Valentine's, fellas um, and ladies. <laughs> a very early Valentine's or very late. Right, right, right. Uh, but across, right in the, there's a fountain area next to um, that in between Sheridan and Reno that goes all the way down to the river. So we're gonna have four stages. We're gonna have a big grand, a big stage and some smaller stages throughout. There's gonna be a kids booth activity with some stuff where they can maybe make a banjo while supplies last. And then some of the river boats some that go around the, the river walk are gonna have banjo players. I'm one of them are gonna do, you can book a river boat, a mini river boat show. And so it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be free. And uh, this is the second time we've tried this. Last year we did it kind of in response to the pandemic and trying to get see what people are comfortable doing. We wanted to have our event so bad. And so we did an outside event followed by an indoor concert. And this is our first year to say, you know what? Let's just make this an outdoor thing. Start it a little bit later and let it go into the evening. So it starts at noon inside here. And then by two, some of the outside shows will start and go all the way to 8 p.m. And uh, that's on the 24th of September, which is the last day of the state fair. So by that time, the state fair is over. You've done everything state fair. You can come over or you can do both. We're happy for the state fair. But <laughs> you, you get in free if you bring a corn dog. Uh, yes. I mean, mean, it is free generally anyway. If you bring me a corn dog, you can play my banjo. But uh, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's Maybe if you bring me a corn dog, I won't play. Some people don't. (laughs) That's great because there's so many great players there. And we've opened the doors a little bit for some bands that um, 
that are going to have some banjo with them that don't typically, but uh, Edgar Cruz, an Oklahoma treasure, he's going to be one of our performers. Uh, Kyle Dillingham and his band, uh, Horseshoe Rose, will be there. Um, we're going to have uh, the Legacy of Byron Burlines band is going to play. One-Eyed Jack will play the Hunt Brothers, a lot of great players. And then some of our Hall of Fame inductees will be performing as well, Randy and Donna. So you're going to have a lot of local love. It's an Oklahoma original type concert with uh, some Oklahoma vendors that you can come. We'll have some stuff that's out there to, to buy and check out. So that's kind of the new thing for us. But uh, it's going to be exciting. And yeah. it's always kind of fun to see how it turns out. This is our first foray into this big free uh, festival. But we're hoping if we can kind of stick with it, thanks to the partnership of uh, downtown Oklahoma City and Bricktown, we can make this a, another another thing that people can do family friendly uh, and really just to share the love of it. A lot of people hear the banjo or an instrument for the first time when they're a kid or, or at any age, and it changes them. Yeah. And uh, it might, you might learn to play just for you. You might learn to play for someone you love. You might learn to play for others. You might learn uh, so you can teach others and you never know what that could do. I'm so grateful. My wife surprised me and got me tickets to see Steve Martin over like a decade ago. And I had a banjo in high school, but I didn't know how to play it. And so I went and saw Steve Martin and I was like, I'm going to learn to play the banjo. I'm going to spend a year and I'm just going to learn. And I didn't know that that was going to alter so much that I've got to travel and meet people and help tell a story and put banjos in other people's hands and meet my heroes. I've got to, I got to work with Kermit the Frog. The Kermit. <laughs> when you come to the museum, we have a little video that highlights kind of an overview of the banjo just to kind of prime you for the rest of the museum and Kermit co-hosts it with me. I just threw it out there and I ended up getting to do this video and people would be like, is that really Kermit? I was like, yeah, it's really Kermit. Disney gave us permission. <laughs> Kermit was very busy, but we were able to make it happen. And uh, since then I've got to kind of help out with a few Muppet projects and stuff. And I tell people that Kermit backs me up on banjo when I'm playing on TV. <laughs> this, is a, this is insider information. That's Kermit that's playing. <laughs> Kids are like, Kermit's a puppet. I'm like, no, no, no. He's a hand, it's called handheld amphibian American. So you need to learn. He's got those, he's got those really crazy arms so they can really, yeah, man. they can hit those. They can hit all the notes. He can do a lot. He can yeah. do a lot. That's been a real cool. That's been a real feather in my cap, man, to be able to tell people I've got to work with Kermit, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so he is very real and it's cool. So my banjo, I would show your listeners, so I'm holding it up here. Look at that. But I've got signatures inside the rim of Roy Clark and Bela Fleck and Allison Brown and Kristen Scott Benson and uh, all the banjo players, I've, my heroes I've got to meet and work with. But right dead center, he actually wrote on Roy Clark's signature a little bit, Kermit the Frog. <laughs> so when kids are like, Kermit's not real, I'll go, he signed this. They're like, oh, I guess he is real. Like, yeah, man, come on. I mean, you can't sign something if he ain't real. I'm going on the record here, okay? Kermit is very real. Gotcha. I work with him. Uh, he's called me a few times and need me to bail him out of a couple banjo gigs. He didn't want to play at the swamp. He was just busy. Uh, oh, uh, I feel I'm nervous even joking. I feel like Disney is going to be like listening. I'm getting a call right now. I, I can't say anymore. 
Well, uh, so everybody, the uh, Banjo Fest is September 22nd through the 24th. And on the 24th is the big Bricktown Banjo Bash, which is a free event. You should absolutely get out there and enjoy it. And come say, uh, come say hi to Lucas. Uh, bring yeah. him a dog. He'll let you play his, his That's right. I'll be on the boats for a little bit, but then I'm doing my I'm doing my little one-man show at 6 p.m. that night. But uh, you're going to hear a lot. There's a lot of great banjo, a lot of great performers there, including Tyler Jackson. And he's he's going to be here and he's one of our new employees that's also playing he's just renowned toured with some of the biggest stars and we're so proud to have him on staff here too so thanks for the time and i can't wait to see you guys at banjo bash uh yeah and and folks if you want more information you can check out americanbanjomuseum.com it's got uh go head over to the events tab and you're going to find the bricktown banjo bash and the and the uh, banjo fest info there uh and lucas thank you so much for for coming on and uh, we'd love to have you back again sometime i'm honored to i'm honored to be here i'm honored to really be anywhere at this point so <laughs> Thanks for letting me on, man. And congrats on your podcast. This is so cool. Thanks for what you're doing for uh, for our state and for uh, all the, the great events and artists and people working hard out there. Keep up the good work. Will do. That guy's so great. He's a sweetheart. That was so much fun. He is, he's hilarious, for one thing. But also, um, I, I really loved, he, he talked about how he got into the banjo sort of as a comedy thing. Uh, it, obviously, Steve Martin, uh, very famous. Kermit the Frog, another big in, uh, for Lucas. But um, but learning the history of it and and the way he kind of approaches it with reverence is, is really kind of inspiring. Um, all right, it's now time for us to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly pod events. And first up this week is Carly. Welcome in. Bienvenue. Welcome. <laughs> From the étranger stranger. Glücklich Zuseon. Je suis enchanté. Happy to see you. Bleib au rest to stay. Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome, um German Fest, a German Fest, to German Fest. I think she's having a stroke. <laughs> That's right, my Damen und Herren. Right. It's time once again for German Fest. In Okin, life is beautiful, but particularly on September 24th, when the small town invites people from all over the country for a day in Deutschland. The whole affair kicks off with, naturally, the tapping of the kegs at noon on Okin's main street. <laughs> then, while visitors enjoy their direct from Germany brewskis, they can enjoy schnitzel, brats, and other traditional fare as well. Watch the results of a dessert and beer ox bake off. Compete in Stein races, check out the dog show, throw an axe around, and then take a tour of the local Catholic church in Arapahoe school buildings. Come to think of it, you should probably do those last two before consuming a metric ton of beer, but no judgment either way. Visit okeengermanfest.com for more information. <laughs> that sounds fun. I, I, that really sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. Yeah. You know what? I don't understand why beer rocks are not a bigger part of Oklahoma culture. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hamburger in a roll. You've, you've hmm. been, we've all been kind of writing about food long enough that I think we can all take solace in the idea that every, every unique food like that is going to have its day as a trend, right? Yeah. Like, eventually there's going to be like 900 beer rock restaurants. I'm waiting. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's going to be so good. Uh, so, speaking of beer rocks, Megan, what's your event this week? Uh-oh. There are many spiritual centers across the world, and on September 24th and 25th, the Reed Conference Center in Midwest City is going to be another one. At the Spirit Fair, visitors will find a variety of non-traditional approaches to soothing and reinvigorating the soul. 
local medium Cindy, there she has no last name that I could find, will host <laughs> group angel messages. Plus, there will be classes in Reiki. Guests will have their auras photographed and interpreted, and they can get a tarot reading. Plus, there will be tons of merchandise to help you along your spiritual journey, from candles and crystals to tarot boards and jewelry. And admission is only $7 a day. For more information, visit spiritfair.com. Wow. Yeah. I think I... That sounds fascinating. I think I'm going to go look for Christmas presents. Like, get these people some rocks and bundles of sage. Pick me up some Reiki, whatever that is. It's That's a kind of... <laughs> it's like a, like I a know, massage. I actually do know what Reiki is. <laughs> they, like, spin watches around or something. <laughs> it's not... Crystals. Nate, what's your event this week? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I might need a little... I need, need a little help on the sing-along mm. here. Uh, with apologies to the late, great Phil Hartman to whom I am genuinely very sorry. Well, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. what I say? <laughs> monorail! What's that sound? Monorail! That's right, monorail. 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 All right, all right. You might think this event listing is about the Oklahoma State Fair, which is happening now, but you'd be wrong, though the only monorail I know of is in Oklahoma at the State Fair. This event is about a small town getting suckered out of a bunch of its money. Not about Springfield. It's about Wetumpka. See, in the 1950s, a flim Flam man, I love that phrase, flim flam man. A flim flam man named F. Bam Morrison, also a great name, showed up. Everything about this event is amazing, by the way. Uh, a flim flam man named F. Bam Morrison showed up in Wetumpka, a fabulous little town in Hughes County, and began selling tickets to a circus that he said would be coming through town soon. The citizens got so excited, they purchased additional food and souvenirs, thinking this flood of tourists was going to come through their town. They lined the streets the morning of the event. And nothing happened. Oh. And they just sat there. And they soon learned that when they went looking for F. Bam, they learned he had left town the night before with all of their money and no plans having whatsoever to do anything with the circus. Not even Cirque du Soleil was going to come. <laughs> uh, but the citizens of Wetumpka, they didn't get down. They got the last laugh. They turned their disappointment into Sucker Day, a yearly festival to celebrate the courageous act of turning failure into fun. This year's festival, happening Saturday, September 24th, will feature a parade, arts and crafts, live music, and more food than you can shake a stick at especially if that stick is attached to the end of a corn dog. But if you go and someone starts a jazzy song and dance number to try to get you invested in an out there scheme, just get out of there as fast as you can. For more information, call 405-452-3153. Don't be a sucker. Go to Sucker Day. (laughs) Uh, All right, Ben, what's your event this week? We can go back and forth on the semantics of what age a person or thing has to be to be considered old. But I think it is safe to say that when a thing has crossed the century mark, that it has some age to it. So consider this year's Old Settlers Day celebration in downtown Wakita a huge win for truth in advertising. And I am so happy to observe, for once, the Old Settlers Day celebration as, oppo- as opposed to the more usual New Settlers Day celebration, which is just what me and my buddies call it when we drink beers over a game of Settlers of Catan for the 90th time. Trust me, this free festival recalling the anniversary of the 1893 Cherokee Strip land run will be way better. For one, it has box turtle races, a.k.a. the thinking man's horse racing, (laughs) which is far superior, superior to any little board game. 
Uh, Old Settlers Day also begins with a sausage and pancake breakfast. More than enough fuel for the kids to compete in cornhole, bounce houses, arts and crafts, and other activities, and for their parents to try and keep up with them. It's also a great opportunity to step into the past with covered wagons, a vintage doll-making demonstration, and an old-fashioned bingo game. But of course, the two biggest draws are the parade beginning at 3.30 p.m. and the community street dance from 7 p.m. until midnight. Dare I say, an ideal day of fun and the perfect excuse to finally visit the Twister Movie Museum (laughs) if that bucket list item is still unchecked. Call 580-594-2200 for more information or visit facebook.com slash 16th celebration. That's 1 and 6 TH celebration for a complete schedule of events. That sounds like fun. I, I haven't been to that Twister Museum. I need to go. I think I think Megan needs to go and make one of those dolls and then take it to the spirit fair and mm. see if it's haunted. <laughs> That's a good idea, Megan. I think it is a good idea. <laughs> it sounds like it would require a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's one thing Megan loves, it's effort. Uh, well, well, folks, after decades of work, medical researchers in tandem with botanists and nutritional scientists have isolated the solution in wine that makes people happy. It's, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry if I mispronounce this, it's a little technical. It's called alcohol. But did you know that applying wine externally can also cause happiness? That's what I learned looking at the pictures from the Canadian River Winery's annual Grape Stomp Festival, uh. where the whole family is invited out to Lexington to step on some fruit. But when your heels are permanently dyed red, there's still more to do. Live music, food trucks, wine tasting for adults, kids' activities, also for adults, maybe for kids. Those 21 and older can even cool down after a long, hard stomp with a wine slushy. The Grape Stomp Festival is September 25th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Admission is free, and you can find out more at CanadianRiverWinery.net. I had a wine slushy at the OU game, or at Campus Corner, for the OU game last weekend. It How was, was it? It was delicious. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a frozen sangria, right? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. From the... I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> from a place. It was just from somebody on, like, on Boyd on the street, oh, okay. campus corner. I yeah. thought... I thought no, some guy just the, handed it to me. I maybe it was the swirl or something. No, it was... Oh, no, a swirl would have been great. It was just, like, one of those vendor booths. Right. What is a swirl? It's frozen sangria and frozen, frozen margarita. margarita. Oh, mixed together. that sounds good. It is delicious. It's very popular. I've never you, had one. Do you want to go to the Mont? I'll go to the Mont with you anytime. Not right now. Well, it's it's 11 a.m. I don't finish, think Let's finish this podcast, and then we'll all go And then also our work day. Uh, the sound of a nice Shiraz <laughs> squishing between my toes means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. So you can join us again next week, or if you just can't get enough, head to oklahomatoday.com and pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com, and we'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation. Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit OklahomaToday.com. Goodbye.